You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead. Covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, PodBase, Speaker, and more. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and let's bring in the rest of this team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing well. It is fall season coming up. The weather is getting cooler. It's getting a little darker out here sooner. Yeah, so, you know, a change of the seasons, but you know what always stays kind of the same? Wrestling, literally. <laughs> and well, yes, and we can't discuss this week or any week without the third member of this trio, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. Hey, it may stay the same, but at the same time, it's always wild, different, and chaotic. So, like, yeah. is that, you know, That's it's true. always evolving. Yeah. You can, yeah. you can count on it to be unpredictable, no matter how, even the WWE in its current state is still somewhat unpredictable. Look, as we <laughs> talked about offline earlier this week, that we are going to start planning our end of year casts. And that includes our end of year awards. And that makes me think, you know, if we were talking to ourselves late last year, early this year with what we know now, Mm -hmm. we would definitely not believe ourselves if we were to, you know, hear (laughs) the stories and tell ourselves, guess what happened this year? We wouldn't have believed it. So I think that's a sign of how much there's definitely things change. A lot of things stay the same, but there's this year in particular is a wild card. So many unpredictable things have happened. Um, but, you know, it's still a beautiful time to be a wrestling fan. We are going to get into that this week, especially our lineup. We Our order has changed, as you know. We kind of change the order in which we talk about things based off of what's big news, almost also kind of rewarding promotions for their Lucha Libre content. Um, and this week, I don't know if you'll be able to predict the lineup that we have, but um, all of it is <laughs> great and relevant and informative. So we have a show for you. But before we get to that, 
we wanted to honor this week in particular. We had a very special day earlier. Actually, September 21st was a national holiday in Mexico. And that was Dia Nacional de la Lucha Libre or a National Lucha Libre Day, which is, again, one of the beautiful things about Lucha Libre is how it is viewed in Mexico and is just beyond sports entertainment. It is a sport. It is part of the culture. It is ingrained within the communities and the states. And so it's just something that is so unique to Lucha Libre that we had to talk about it this week. Indeed. Yeah, it's it's incredible how they embrace it there. Um, there, You'd never see a pro wrestling day be embraced so widely in America. Like, it's just a different thing. But culturally, Lucha Libre, it's like, this is our thing. We're proud of them. We're proud of this. And it makes it feel so important and gives it that kind of historical gravity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, a little background information about uh, Dia Nacional de Lucha Libre. Um, this was officially made a holiday back in 2016. So it's not a old holiday by any means, um, but it was made official back in 2016. And it was introduced by Jesus Calasillas. Cal- Cal- um, who was a representative of Jalisco, um, and at the time when this was presented, and apparently it was a pet project uh, that Braza de Oro had been working on, um, that, and he was very as, instrumental uh, in it. With the backing of CMLL. Just, yes. Yeah. Yes, and that's a very good point as far as with the backing of CMLL, because that date, September 21st, was chosen as a way to honor the very first CMLL show. That was held in 1933. Um, it, 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 so it was reintroduced in 2016. It was made legal as like a law. Now you have to celebrate it in 2019. So, oh, uh-oh. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I Don't mean, I might, be little, case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might be exaggerating a little bit on how much, uh, uh, how much influence the law has. But yeah, when I was researching and I found that it was passed into law in 2019. Yeah, that's that I did not know. And hey, I'd love to have to be to celebrate. I'd have to celebrate <laughs> Dia de Lucha Libre. You know, I mean, that, that sounds like a good day to me. That yeah. means you could tell your boss, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm watching Lucha on that day and they yes. can't they can't stop you. Right. Like that's that's what, how I read that. But it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing in the world of, of Lucha Libre and especially in Mexico that you have a day dedicated to Lucha Libre and the art and sport of pro wrestling there. And we, we talk a lot about this, but yeah, it's the art uh, of, of the sport. They treat it like a sport, but they also recognize the entertainment value of it. And that's what kind of makes the Mexican version of professional wrestling so unique and so captivating to, to fans like us is that there's just this very different energy. Um, when my first show, I'm sat in the second row next to, uh, a grandma and the two kids that are there. And anybody who's seen the angry abuela at a, at a Lucha Libre match being highlighted, that was the one I was sitting next to. So, you know, she's, she was tearing into every single one of the Rudos and the kids were giggling at her because they like they probably only got to see her behave 
you know, like that at, at Lucha shows and she was having a good time. The kids were having a good time. It was, uh, you know, it's fantastic. And, but it's, uh, to what you said, Miranda, you just would, when I, when I went to my first, I'm, I'm not going to say the company. When I went to my first American show, <laughs> the older people that were sitting next to me were already kind of jaded and cynical about the whole process and, uh, were kind of more there to, I don't want to say to actively ruin the show for me, but that, that kind of is how it came off to me as a kid. Like they were, Oh, don't worry about it. This will happen. And you know, they were telling me, watch, watch this stuff. And it was, you know, very different. Like, uh, how they wanted to, to pick at it. It was, I don't, I don't know how to describe it better at this point. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it's an awesome thing. And I think that's what makes, uh, just being a fan of Lucha Libre that much special. The fact that it is just viewed and recognized so differently in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things about even just researching it is there's a great article by ESPN Mexico, um, about the origins of this day in the history. And, you know, ESPN Mexico was, you know, in correlation with Lucha Libre way before WWE had a relationship with ESPN in the States. So, I mean, that also helps set that precedence where the communities and, uh, the really the, the, the media has viewed Lucha Libre as a sport, but also as a pop culture, uh, you know, ingrained in pop culture for, a long time we've talked about it on chair shot radio about lucha libre in in media um in movies and in television the way that luchadors are viewed um you know it's very different and just the way that it's talked about in this espn article also helps create that bigger picture of how lucha libre is valued within mexico it's always cool to read uh, uh, articles about wrestling, but yeah, like this one was uh, super, super interesting because it highlighted those differences for me. Yeah. Well, go ahead and check out ESPN Mexico for that article on Dia Nacional de la Lucha Libre. There's lots of other articles, a lot of them in Spanish. Uh, but <laughs> if you also want to Google uh, Lucha Libre Day or uh, Day of Lucha Libre, uh, you'll also find some U.S. articles with some information on that. Uh, but. We got a whole show to go with you. So uh, in order to do that, we start off the way that we always do. And that's what the road back to shows with Brendan. That's right. Um, also, just on that, you can do since I'm the uh, the guy with the really bad Spanish here, you can always do what I do and just plug the website into Google Translate and it will give you yeah. a not so great translation, but it will give you something uh, <laughs> anyway. uh we are on the road back to shows, as usual. I start with uh, Mexico's sort of version of, of their COVID preparation, and they're still still doing – I mean, I, I don't even know if they're officially out of orange, but they're still running shows. They're still doing everything as best they can, just like we are. So uh, I have it norm- – I didn't have a color this week. I just have Mexico is doing shows, and Mexico is Mexico. Um, we did have a little bit of Dia de Lucha stuff going on that I wanted to, to cover. Uh, 
they had a couple of press conferences for for some uh events going on uh one of them is uh and I'm already going to I already can hear people cringing uh juntos juntos por lucha libre uh it's a movement that's kind of like the union movement they're trying to create better living conditions and a safety net for luchadors um it is separate from the union um but it is it's got similar uh, objectives so they held a press conference sofia alonzo and lady apache were kind of notable people that were there uh they were they basically announcing they want they exist and they want to have some fundraisers and this is the kind of thing they want to do and that they support they want to support uh, older luchadors and and the people who have medical issues and that sort of thing uh we had another conference from the youth institute so on the other side of the spectrum which is uh the a government organization uh and they were holding the a press conference to celebrate Lucha Libre. They announced a Lucha Libre sticker album to help promote healthy activities for children. Uh, the, the, it, it's according to Cubs fan. It looks like most of the stickers that are in the album are of older luchadors. I'm not sure what he means by that, but uh, it also then mentioned that it's got Bandito and Diosa Quetzal who are very much kind of in the now wrestlers so so I'm guessing that that means that he means Rayo de Jalisco Blue Demon that sort of thing although who knows with with any I don't have any issue, any things but the kid in me wants to get the sticker album anyway and it would raise money to uh for for this uh youth institute um, I, they, it, so it would be kind of interesting. So those were a couple of the press conferences going on. Uh, they, they of course had more matches and, and, uh, things at matches, which we will be talking about later in the show. But, uh, uh, you know, that was, that was our, some of our Dia de Lucha stuff. I thought it was kind of interesting. A nice little spectrum there to talk about retired or injured wrestlers and then children wanting to promote the future of wrestling so good times and kind of highlighting that as well that's why we're starting there um in other news they announced uh, all japan announced that they were holding an a tag league on november 13th to november 28th there will be 16 teams broken into four blocks so if you're familiar with how all japan does tag team or does tournaments they have uh, each of the four blocks will have kind of a round robin like you'll see in an olympic event and you get points awarded to you by wins losses and draws the top points getter will win the league and then at this point because it's a tournament the top points getter moves into a Separate series of matches with the top points getter from the other three divisions, and then they determine a winner. And the reason all of this is being brought up is because the tag team of Super Crazy and Tajiri was, was announced for this tournament. So, now I gotta figure out how to watch all Japan matches. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched all Japan since the 90s. Uh, <laughs> 
It's been a while for me too. Yeah. <laughs> there's some there's a lot of really great names if you're into the uh if you're into the the Japanese scene, you will recognize a lot of these names and be really excited. Um for the lucha fans out there, Super Crazy and Tajiri are pretty much it. But if you're going to only have one team, that's a heck of a team to have. And then uh I've got another story about the so we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to give you a little bit of history. We talked last week about the co-branded Big Lucha ROH show down in Mexico. Uh, we will be giving you results for that in the ROH segment because it's largely a, an ROH show as far as our listeners are concerned. However, they made news kind of internationally for a different reason. They had a wrestler on there. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I swore I was gonna remember his name and not need, not worry about it, but, uh, anyway, they had a wrestler on there, Travis Banks, there we go, who, uh, was, was kind of, uh, blacklisted during the Me Too movement, and that made a lot of waves, and so Bandito had to go into social media and apologize for that. So what he is saying happened is that uh, Travis Banks showed up and asked to work, and he uh, he didn't have any idea that that was even the case. Um, Miranda, I believe you said that that he that the the bookers probably took a little more responsibility for what actually happened there because. He, he's the promoter, not the head booker. Uh, and then, uh, it, yeah, and, he, that, and that was just my theory about it. Yeah. The way that he, his kind of apology made it sound. And also, I, I don't know again where Bandito was in this, if he was physically there or not. But, um, you know, I think in a lot of wrestling promotions, you have maybe the, the promoter, but then you have, you know, people who work with the promoter, even under the promoter to then book the matches or help mm. run different aspects of the show. So it could be very possible. And this is just my thought is that there may have been other people there who kind of brought him in or let him work without, you know, Bandito knowing, you know, I, I that's just a a guess. That's not right. any fact or anything. But in kind of thinking about how this could have happened, that you know, it is very possible that he probably didn't know he was even on the show until after the fact. Yeah, and then and another theory that we were talking that was people have talked about is that uh, he he and Bandito worked together on progress. Uh, and Bandito probably hasn't been keeping a close eye on his career or what's been mm-hmm. going on. So even if he did know, he probably wasn't aware of all the nuances of letting this guy in the front door. Yeah. But they didn't announce anybody that was going to participate in his match until they actually came out. So I have a strong feeling that it was a, a big case of 
who's here with gear and let's let's get them ready to go. And it's very possible you they may have had no shows, they <laughs> may have had to move matches around, which that also happens in almost any independent yeah. show. You have the card laid out and someone doesn't show and you have to reshift, you know, several matches around or like you said Brendan, he was there, he had gear, he could go and there you go. Yeah, and, and you know, again, they may not have been thinking about that. Uh, the, uh, it seemed obvious that, uh, based on the, the promotion of it, like even Ian Riccoboni, who was stating that he's going to be, uh, covering this and putting the event up on ROH's, uh, uh, website, he's gonna actually do announcement. He didn't see, he wasn't even aware of the situation until someone on social media pointed him out, pointed it out to him. So, there's definitely a uh, was definitely kind of a lack of communication going on between all sides here, and and that sits with a Bandito's apology, where he basically said, uh, "We're sorry, we didn't know. We we won't be moving forward with this until we can figure anything out." And that's me summarizing. I don't think he even mm-hmm. blatantly said that part. I think he just said, "We're not moving forward with Travis Banks." And- <laughs> And, uh, that's, uh, you know, so that was, that was the, the big story, the big controversy of coming out of that show. In some ways it got eyes on the product. Hopefully people are uh, going to take a look at it and see, see the rest of the show was top to bottom. Really good. Uh, but that was, that's my road back to shows. I was trying to, we, I was mostly focused on our day of, day of Lucha, Lucha this week, and uh, I think we did pretty good on that. And they had to sneak, Travis Banks had to sneak in the back door. Well, we do have a pretty big weekend ahead. Um, and I know you'll get into this on the indie roundup, mm-hmm. but, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution is having their anniversary show this week, this Saturday, yes. actually. Yeah, we are, we're definitely gonna be talking quite a bit about them in a second here. Um, I am going to go tag in IWRG for the Indie Roundup for a little bit because, uh, they've been having some big moves. Uh, so previously, they have a lot of shows. They have a lot and a lot of shows. On their Sunday show, they had Galeno Del Mal and Hio Del Dr. Wagner against Supernova and Tejano Jr. Which, uh, the, the Wagners won, uh, after a foul, uh, you know, setting up kind of a bigger angle with Tejano and the rest of the, the Wagner family. So they, this could be an interesting feud. One of the reasons I want to bring it up here. And then the main event on that, because if I'm going to talk about the undercard, I might as well bring up the main event. Um, you had Hijo de la Spectro Jr., Medico Brujo, Sick Boy against Big Boy, Big Chico, oh, Big Chico Che, and Big Mike. And, uh, Spectro, Medico Brujo, and Sick Boy came out with a win on that. Uh, also looking to sort of the future. They're sure they're broadcasting this now. IOWRG is doing a card where, uh, they have the main event features Mexico versus Canada. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I am particularly interested in this. I'm going to give you the rundown of the card, the, the main event card here. 
It's literally happening as we're recording. It's in another window for me right now. But uh Aster Boy, Bengali, Galeno del Mal, Hijo do Dr. Wagner Jr., Hijo de Pireta Morgan, Tonali, and Toxin against Eli Surge, Giant Orion, Liza Hall, Lil Blay, Miles DeVille, Sydney Steele, and Sweet Daddy Soul. So these are, for those of you who don't live in the Pacific Northwest and don't see these names on every single card, these are all out of, uh, out of the, uh, Vancouver and Calgary sort of area. I believe a Calgary promotion that has risen up, uh, since the ECCW kind of fell from prominence has, is taking responsibility for this. But, uh, you, you've, uh, these are all people that, uh, should be on your radar for Lucha because they've been very prominent with that. Uh, Liza Hall has worked with, uh, when every time that, uh, uh, that Negro Navarro has come up here to instruct at, at, uh, Lucha Volcanica, Liza Hall has been in the wings. I don't know if she's been at, in there, but I know she's been trying to be in there and same with the, some of these others. So, uh, this is, like I said, this is streaming right now on the Mass Lucha channel. I will hopefully have results for you next week if we have the time to cover it. Thursday is a long way away from next week's show, and we have a lot of stuff to to cover. But uh, I, I'm excited to, to do that, and I wanted to highlight that it's going to happen in case I don't get to swing back around for it. Um, and then uh, let's talk about that Pro Wrestling Revolution stuff this weekend because there's a lot to talk about uh it's for those of you who don't know miranda and myself are going to both be there look on social media for all for what whatever we can launch as far as our presence we are the very least going to be putting up pictures and and uh and talking about our experience, we may be able to, we may be trying to do more and there may be some, some experimentation going on for, as hints for future shows. So this is kind of why we're, we're pushing this right now, but well, let's, let's look at this. So the first match that they're going to have is the dragon scramble. The winner of this is going to go to their Mexico event and participate in a, a another bigger scramble, which will have more title implications i don't remember exactly what they've promised for the the mexico dragon scramble but the promise here is that you will go to mexico if you win this one we have uh in this right now is announced we have diablo azteca grand kenuit el galavan zuka el vijo joven moondog nko el cujoy el dinamita El Primo Hino Trebeca, Chicano Flame, and Marcelo. Um, so you've got 12 men. Uh, they are all very young and they're gonna probably fly all over the place. It should be a very exciting, um, exciting match. In the, the, uh, Lucha Central Weekly is go clearly going to be in one corner and not the other match next we have the pro wrestling revolution openweight title with papo esco against ultimo panda uh and vicara fantasma uh versus viento so it's a four-way 
Vecero Fantasma and Viento are pro wrestling revolution regulars. Uh, Ultimo Panda is Ultimo Panda and Papa Esco is part of our team. So, you know, we're going to be biased on this one. I'm just going to say it now. <laughs> um, and then, uh, we have the tag team titles will be on the line. We'll have La Migra versus Adrian Quest, Fidel Bravo. Uh, this is, uh, kind of a very West Coast oriented match. Miranda and I have talked about Adrian Quest and Fidel Fidel Bravo quite a bit on this show. Should be quite good. And this is, I think, the one that will wind up stealing the show for us here. This next one, the women's title will be on the line with, uh, Lady Apache versus La Baronessa. And we know from talking with Gabe that Lady Apache has spent a lot of time at Pro Wrestling Revolution. They were very happy to have her. This is probably her her big return. This is definitely her big return because it's their big return. But first time she's been able to to come up here for Pro Wrestling Revolution show. This is La Baronessa's first time uh with the in the in this area she did do a show at agua caliente right miranda yes la, la baronessa she actually made her u.s debut um with um lucha libre mexicana um at the agua caliente show just a few weeks ago so this will be her i believe her second match here in the u.s but it is the uh, the first time a lot of people will get to see these two in a ring together and yes. uh they didn't put, they didn't work so hard to get her a, uh, a, a, a card to work, be allowed to work, a visa, that's the word I was looking for, to be allowed to work in America if they weren't, didn't think she was going to put on a great show. And we already know Lady Apache is a great technician and mm-hmm. a great strategist. So, like I say, this one has the potential to steal the whole show. Uh, then we have a contenders match for the heavyweight title, which is Kratos versus El Mysterioso. That is the same Mysterioso that's been all over the California scene, including the LA Dojo of New Japan. So, you know, this is kind of a nice high profile matchup. Kratos has been used on NWA, I think is his big high profile matchup we've talked about on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our main event. This is the one that, uh, that got me to buy tickets the moment that I saw the, the graphic for it. You have the parks on one side, and then on the other side, that's, you know, LA Park and his, his sons, some combination of the three of them. I think it's Eho that's in this match. I'll just I, look it up. I, I, every time I try to look it up, all I see is the parks. So I just gave up and, and I'm just going to say it, uh, but I believe it's Eho. And then, uh, and then we have on the other side, Rayo de Jalisco and El Mariachi Loco. So you've got, you know, you've got some pretty obvious bad guys in this match. <laughs> We're probably going to see a lot of dead furniture and, uh, uh, well, the good guys are trying to pretend like they're nice, although I've never seen either of these guys unafraid to use a chair or say, a table. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't confirm it is you hold it L.A. Park and L.A. Park um, that will team up together. And this is from Pro Wrestling Revolution's Facebook page. Um, 
that they've posted all of these on uh, social media as far as these uh, these lineups. Okay, but that is that. I mean, any combination was exciting to me. To oh yeah, honest, so. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's going to be impressive. Uh, where it is, it's going to have a, a great attendance. Uh, I was just briefly talking with Gabe earlier this week um, about the show and uh, tickets, I believe are, they're very close to capacity. This was just three days mm-hmm. ago. So for those uh, of you, you know, who are listening, who may be in the area there, by the time you hear this, they may be sold out or they still may have tickets available. Uh, but it is uh, going to be just a, a fantastic show. Um for pro wrestling revolution and did either of you have any comments i know i was kind of blazing through this any of these matches stand out to any of you um, dusty i know you're gonna do your best to uh at least pick up on the results yeah um you know i, I wish i could be there and join you guys like that's the main thing for me <laughs> is that i feel like I, i'm missing out here um, but yeah, my, my work is crazy right now and I just yeah. wouldn't be able to join you guys. But yeah, that was my main takeaway is that I have like show envy. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, no one match stood out. Just I, I got the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say though, I, I share Dusty's excitement of it. The whole thing gets me really excited. I think the scramble is going to be great. Um, just because yeah. lucha libre scrambles are always something very entertaining and fast paced. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be really. Uh, that's one I'm looking forward to. Of course, Baronessa and Lady Apache. That one too. Um, just seeing Baronessa recently in her match. Um, she had a great showing and being able to face one of the legends, you know, in Lady Apache, that is, is going to be really fantastic. But all of it, there's something in every match that gets me excited to be there. I'm very interested to see what the crowd is like. You know, how many of them are dedicated Lucha Libre fans? How many will be brand new? Those will all be things that will be very interesting to me. So I have to, even though I'm going to be there, I agree with Dusty. A lot of this, I'm just, I'm just really excited for. I can't just pinpoint one thing that I'm, I'm very interested in. I'm the whole thing I'm really excited for. That's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I had to find some ways to, to explain. Explain my excitement for each of these matches, but uh, yeah, they're they're all they're all super interesting to me. I'm uh, very excited to see where we go, where what's going to happen with this. I can promise you that the pro wrestling revolution crowd is going to be hot. They've got a very dedicated fan base. Gabe mentioned that when we interviewed him uh, as well. So there will be some new people, I'm sure, because he's also mentioned that they're family friendly. They advertise in like community centers and other places in the areas and they they get new people. But they're always Lucha Libre friends from the sound of it. So it doesn't take long to get into the swing of things. If you know a little bit of the magic of Lucha Libre, like you just, you know, find the guy you don't like and yell mean things to him and you're good to go. It's Literally how I describe it to my friends at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a super, super rare chance to see Rio de Jalisco in America. Like, he just doesn't make it up here that often anymore. And so, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a good moment. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. 
I've the entrance like alone is worth it to me. Just the entrance of <laughs> oh. him and Mariachi Loco alone will be mm-hmm. spectacular. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be I, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I may lose my mind on social media around that point. <laughs> saying. But that, that's, uh, I wanted to take a little time to focus on that. Uh, I snuck, normally we would do a preview in the road two shows, but, uh, I really wanted to make sure we had time, so I snuck that in here. As I mentioned, Miranda and I will both be there. Dusty will maybe be there virtually. We're going to work on, on doing stuff and hopefully we have a few surprises for you coming from this show. But that is my road back to shows and my indie roundup. Thank you, Brendan, for the road back to shows and the indie roundup. Up next, as we do always, we're going to kick it to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey, everyone. It's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you, in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. 
stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. A big thank you to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central podcast network. Up next, this is, we haven't done this in a while, but here we are, first news item of the week, and that is WWE. What? I know. (laughs) Shocking, shocking, I know, but here we are. So, Dusty, tell us, why, why are we talking about WWE, the very first news item of the week? Yeah, well, there's a lot going on. I mean... We've got many things. Uh, I'll start with some of the least good, and we'll build up as we go. But on <laughs> SmackDown, we had Sami Zayn defeating Dominic Mysterio again. He, Sami Zayn won by a pinfall with the sunset flip for a finisher. Dominic and Sami work well enough together, but Sami's beaten him clean a few times now. And we've seen it enough that I feel like we don't need to see this again. At the end of the match, Sammy taunted Rey Mysterio, who was a guest commentator for the match as well, and said that Dominic wasn't as good as Rey thought, and that Rey wasn't the coach that he thought either. I don't really think either one of those things are true, but WWE definitely hasn't given us a chance to believe in Dominic, or a reason to care about him as anything more than Rey Mysterio's son. So it does kind of feel true in a way when he said it. Like, it was one of those things you don't want to say because it highlights it. I didn't care for that. It's obvious that they're building to a Mysterio versus Mysterio match. But I wish they had given us something, anything, to make us hope that Dominic actually wins a match. Like, that's kind of what we want, and they're not giving it to us. And at this point, because of that, if he beats Rey Mysterio after he's been beaten by everybody so far, it's not going to be believable. It will not be well-received. And so I'm not sure what they're building to with this. It's very strange to me, not to my taste, but we'll see where it goes. Then we had Monday Night Raw, and this is where they were doing things right. Mustafa Ali and Mansoor versus Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo. WWE has finally listened to reason, and they gave us the most handsome tag team on the planet by pairing up Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo on Raw. Even the announcers mentioned they were the most handsome tag team. Like, you have to give them credit for that. And not only are they a tag team now, but unlike on main event last week, this week they've got new matching purple gear. They look like a million bucks together. I love it. These guys are cousins. They've been wrestling together their whole lives. And pairing them together just makes sense. I still think that Angel Garza is too charismatic and just has too much main event level talent and charisma to be kind of held down in a tag team. But since WWE always splits tag teams and always causes partners to feud, I still feel very excited about this because I want a feud between Humberto and Angel Garza even more than I want the tag pairing between them. So 
super exciting there. We also got to see a quick promo from Umberto this week before the match, and it really highlighted that he has an excellent command of the English language. We haven't seen a whole lot of that. We know that Angel could talk. like He's really good. But this was the first time we got the chance to see that from Umberto, and I thought he was excellent as well. And, you know, it's nice to see that. If WWE's highlighting them in a video clip, they're speaking great English. This is only positive for them because it helps that initial hurdle that WWE sees with kind of the luchador thing. So much positive going on there. And then the match itself, both teams looked so smooth and fluid. And I had assumed with the announcement and the upcoming Saudi Arabian show that this was to kind of build up Mansoor and make him look tough, but I was wrong, and I've never been more happy to be wrong about WWE, as we got to see Angel and Umberto consistently try to one-up and stay one step ahead of Mansoor and Mustafa, including the finish where Umberto put Ali in like a neck choke submission thing, and Garza comes flying out of nowhere with the drop kick, Umberto rolls him over for the easy win, Two minutes, 47 seconds. It was so good. And if this is what WWE is doing to gain fans, they've hit upon a big win here because this is what at least I want to see them doing. A lot more people want to just see good wrestling. That's why Dynamite, I mean, AEW has more of a wrestling presence and WWE has more of a story presence. It's a different thing. And this is kind of, I think, where they need to go. Maybe a longer match. We would have seen a longer match on main event, but still, I'll take what we can get. And they were on Raw this week, so that's a big positive. And I have only good things to say about Raw, and that is rare. Yes, that's why I had to tease that. I think as soon as we heard that Umberto uh, and Angel were officially a tag team, it was like finally after... So many times we've done this show and have vocalized, you know, this this underutilization of both Humberto and Angel. You know, the fact that they turned it around like they have is, uh, you know, really a miracle. It is. And I I just want to I'm going to temper it with my normal cynicism about the WWE. We will revisit this topic in three weeks. Because that has was their trend through all of 2020 was let's try something they would give it almost exactly three weeks and then it would disappear. It's true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but at the same time I am actually allowing myself to well no I allowed myself to be optimistic every single time they teased uh, uh, anything with Angel Garza or Umberto over 2020 like we always were like this is great please give us more of this and then we would get sad but. Um, I'm still there. I'm still wanting to not for that to this to be the time that it's not true. So, uh, you know, uh, and to your point, Dusty, I had the same thoughts about the tag team. Like, well, they always break up the tag teams, but I've never wanted to see one of my guys go through the barbershop window so bad. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I don't I mean, like, I guess I want the Angel Garza to win, but I don't even know that I necessarily have a preference because if it launches i mean i feel like angel garza is already there like all he needs is the right feud and he's there he's an instant main level guy but if umberto wins it could really elevate him in a way too because i feel like even 
at the level they're at now, beating Angel Garza would be quite a feather in his cap. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, we've seen him paired with Andrade, and so there's a lot yeah. going on there with Angel that kind of makes him more than just the average tag team guy. There's just so much they could do with it, and every outcome to me that way is positive, as long as they stick with it for more than three weeks. Vern <laughs> is absolutely right. If they don't stick it for, with it for three weeks, they stick with it for three months. Yeah, I mean, if they, there's some they things they give it we time see to over breathe. and over. Uh, but but uh, yeah, just I, I'll fantasy book because I've been thinking about this since you told me about this tag team. <laughs> uh, you are absolutely correct. Uh, it, Garza does not need more more of the push, but at the same time, he is the better heel of the two. So oh, absolutely, he's yes. the one that is going to get the big initial heat out of the two break if the two break up he's the one that needs to and i'm gonna keep referencing it you know super kick his partner through the barbershop window whatever they decide to do right like yeah but, but he doesn't have to win the blow-off match at that point you are you're correct you can have it where umberto wins the blow-off match to that feud because angel will still be in over the a mega over the top heel and now angel is in a position to be a baby face that can do something bigger so yeah, well, and, and he's got an actual baby face. Like he's got such a yeah. a natural face. I mean, like his actual face is great for a Technico a baby face. I mean, like, <gasps> I mean, he's just, he just got the look. Yet. And yeah, I I love it. He's gonna do big things, and I'm excited that he's finally getting that chance. You know, if, all along I felt like if they just gave him a chance, that they would really click. And so I'm hoping that. This clicked. It was easily one of the best matches on the show for me. Hopefully Vince thought the same, so we'll keep seeing it. But one show that Vince may not watch because it is always good is Main Event. And this week we had Cedric, first match was Cedric Alexander against Lindsay Dorado. It was easily the best of the two matches on the show. And it was also the very first matchup between Cedric and Lindsay, which, you know, makes it a really cool match for us fans too just a more rare and interesting match lince came out in his santo silver gear he looked like a million dollars you know they went back and forth early but before long lince was in charge he had a really cool hurricane rana on the apron and just a great match fantastic work between the two of them lince has the finest moonsault and the finest shooting star press in wwe but unfortunately cedric hit the lumbar check and got the pin and the win after lince hit a super kick and was on his way to a handspring so we didn't get to see lince win this week but it was still a damn fine match and it is exactly the kind of thing that makes me so excited about main event each week I did not write down the time for this one, but it was roughly seven minutes. And that's what I said about Garza and Umberto um, on Raw. They they didn't get much time to do their thing. You get more time on main event. But it's nice to see these pairings. Which is crazy to me. Mm -hmm. It's a three-hour show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and they can only do, you know, two minutes and 47 seconds, but... Cedric Alexander versus Lindsay can go seven minutes on main event, which is like a 35-minute show. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. They have more but, time set aside for actual wrestling. Back wrestling. They, they yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. And more of the 205 cruiserweight style, the lucha style. We've been seeing a lot more of that, like that. We also, our second match of the night 
or the show, I guess, was Karrion Cross against Ricochet. This wasn't the usual Karrion Cross squash match that we've kind of come to expect on Raw. And I was really excited to see these two because they're both Lucha Underground alumni. They, you know, we've seen a lot of awesome stuff from both of them. Nice to see them in the ring together. I thought Ricochet looked great in this match. He was really dazzling. He was in control a lot of it. His offense all looked fantastic. Then out of nowhere, Karrion Cross hits a big power bomb for a two count. Then he gets the cross jacket and he picked up the win. Like it was very abrupt and it just did not feel genuine to me. I feel like it's a very big mistake to have somebody take that kind of amazing offense for several minutes and then no sell it and hit their finisher for the win. And we've seen what Carrion can do. So I, I don't know why the main roster is kind of limiting him in this way. And it's, it's not, a Hulk Hogan finish, by the way. So that's why you write yeah. a finish like that. That is, for those of you who who couldn't put the two together for whatever reason, that's what Hulk Hogan did. He took seven minutes of, of offense from the other guy, King Kong Bundy, splashing him 18 times in the corner. <laughs> uh and then he would Hulk out, hit a big move, and win. So yeah. they, it seems like the good news is Vince has a plan. Yeah. The bad news is that it's the same plan we've seen since the 80s. And, and I feel like that doesn't really work anymore. I mean, no. it doesn't make sense. Well, and not only that, but, like, people loved Hulk Hogan. Nobody wanted to see Hulk Hogan lose. But honestly, the way Ricochet was wrestling, like, I wanted to see Ricochet win. I didn't necessarily want to see Karrion lose, but it just, you know, it, it could have been more. I just wish he'd gotten more in. It wasn't bad in any way. Like, it was a perfectly fine match, but there was nothing exciting about it or nothing great about it. And that was just disappointing to me, especially with the names involved. You'd hope for a little more of a an exciting main event for main event, but... You know, they can't all be winners. Hopefully next week will be better. And again, you know, I will keep covering main event as long as it's relevant and interesting like this. And if you guys like it, let us know and we'll, you know, keep it in the lineup. But also this week, something that didn't happen on TV, we had Grand Metalik asking for his WWE release. Moss Luchas, Miguel Reducinino reported that Metalik wanted his release from WWE. His deal was reportedly yes. set to run through the end of 2023. He's been with WWE since 2016. He did the Cruiserweight Classic and then he joined NXT. He hit the main roster and joined Lucha House Party in 2017. Um, he would occasionally go on Twitter and hint that he was unhappy, but it seemed for the most part, and it was reported, that both members of the Lucha House Party tag team were content to keep their heads down, do what they were asked, and just make some bank while they were there. And there was even reported at one time that there was tension between Lince and Metalik with Kalisto, that they were kind of on opposing sides. Both Metalik and Lince were kind of upset when Lince, when Kalisto rather spoke up about how they were being used and that he wanted to blow off the thing in a triple threat, you know, to see who the winner was and break up Lucha House Party. They didn't want to do that. They did, thought he was messing with their paycheck. And <laughs> it eventually saw Kalisto released shortly thereafter. 
and we haven't even seen him since, really. Like, I don't know where Kalisto's at. We haven't seen anything. But Dorado and Metalik, they were still working tag matches last week on main event. Uh, but it's been, you know, quite some time since we've seen anything real impressive from them. There hasn't really been anything dominant from them as a tag team. The only time we ever really saw them built up was to break them back down, make somebody else look strong. Mm-hmm. They've been in the 24-7 title picture, chasing people around. Well, how long has it been since we've seen that, even? Um, but, yeah, Metal League hasn't really been presented as a serious threat to even the 205 yeah. title for yeah. since right after the yeah. Cruiserweight Classic. So, I mean, oh, there's, and- there's more to this story. As uh, other people, as you alluded to and other people pointed out, Metal League was in the middle of trying to relocate his family to the United States. He needed work stability. Yeah. Um, and that that was is reportedly part of his contract deal with WWE is that they would help bring his family across. I don't know if that's true or not. Um. But, I mean, and then everybody had said when we, like, would talk to them, like, behind the scenes or more privately, that Metalik seemed to be more fixated on making sure everything was taken care of more than worrying about his career, even though he clearly was frustrated about his career. So, um, you know. Yeah. And and for those of you that don't know, Metal League used to be Mascara Dorada. We mentioned a couple weeks ago on This Week in Lucha Libre, we talked about it. He was one of kind of the biggest failures of WWE to capitalize on someone's extreme talent and outside success. He was the first, and as far as I know, he was the only luchador to ever be a concurrent quadruple champion in CMLL. He held the Mexican National Trios Championship, the CMLL World Trios Championship, the CMLL World Super Lightweight Championship, Mm -hmm. and the CMLL World Welterweight Championship all at the same time. I mean, this is somebody who was as strongly critically acclaimed as you could be. And he was really seen as being the next huge guy in Mexico and in CMLL after Mystico left Mexico on his long journey to becoming Mystico again. But (laughs) Mascara Dorada was seen as the guy. And, I mean, we've seen little flashes, like his rope walking, things he could do. But they've really – I don't know if there's ever been a strong a case of them dropping the ball on a – instant main event talent as they did with Metal League. WWE likes their guys to work safe, and there's good reasons yeah. for that because Caristico slash Mystico didn't work safe the whole time he was in WWE and spent a lot of the early half of his career injured. So, um, you know, I, I mean, sure, some of it is Sheamus's fault, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> even still, they the, the, the mentality is there, and they always like to work safe, even on the big guys. That's why you only saw King Kong Bundy doing splashes on Hogan, because bigger, more powerful moves were too risky to do. Yeah, you can't so. injure the talent that makes the most money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what comes from Metal League. Hopefully... You know, if he's unhappy and, you know, airs that with WWE, you know, maybe giving the current arrangement with things in AEW, maybe they would give him a stronger push. Maybe he could go back to NXT. I'm, uh, I'm not, I, I, I thought about this one too. I'm, I, AEW's a fine choice. Miranda, you're gonna love me on this one. 
I think he needs to go to Impact. He I should. Think. He'd be a huge deal there. Instant. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, huge deal. That's that's exactly it. He would have the splash he needed. He'd have the exposure he needed. He'd also have the steady work he needed. I think yeah. that is the best fit for him. Yeah, uh, I I agree. <laughs> I mean, that is an excellent choice. Hopefully, we'll see him there. And they have a great history with luchadors in the main event, too, especially right? compared to WWE, where really yeah. we've only seen Eddie and Rey Mysterio in the main event. And so, yeah, I, I, I look forward to that. We'll keep you posted on all the news with Meta League and WWE next week. And in the meantime, you can go to LuchaCentral.com. There's all kinds of reviews, rundowns, previews, everything else, videos, you name it. And that's at LuchaCentral.com. So up next, we'll be talking about AEW, of course, a full week with Rampage, Dark Elevation, and more. Yeah, we almost everything except Dynamite had some Lucha content on offering this week. On the September the 17th episode of Rampage, we had the Lucha Bros defeating Butcher and Blade in a tag team title match. At first, the matchup seemed a little strange, but oddly enough, Butcher and Blade up to this point were undefeated in AEW. They had picked up most of their wins on Dark before Butcher's injury delayed their tag matches for a while, but once they got back together, they, you know, actually had the rankings to do it. It made sense. Uh, you know, very cool. Butcher and Blade got their tag title match that they were kind of deserved all along, and we got to see it against Lucha Bros. And I loved that because I could watch these two teams go up against each other all day long. They've teamed together in some four-on-four matches on the same side before in AEW. They just have an excellent chemistry together. I'm hoping to see a rematch somewhere down the road with these guys. And so with any luck, this isn't the last time we'll see them against each other soon. And we also had a really interesting moment I liked in the match. They tied the strings of Penta's mask onto the middle rope in the corner, the heels did, and he couldn't get it free. He had to remove the mask and cover his face with one hand to make a super kick and save Phoenix, and save the titles. Phoenix was able to get the pin. Very cool spot, an unusual spot you don't often see. I just really liked it. After the match, Hardy Family Office ran in to beat down the Lucha Bros, and Proud and Powerful Counter ran in with full Dead President's makeup on to make the save. Very exciting. Uh, you know, the, I was hinting at it. It builds to a big four against four tag match at Grand Slam Rampage. Very excited for that. The next match was Miro defeating Fuego and a car versus title Apuestas match. You know, pretty cool there. Not the weirdest Apuestas match that I've heard about. Yeah, I mean, there's still some strange, but that's fairly, you know. It's it's way up there. It's way up there. If you want something that is very much in the spirit of a Lucha Apuestas match, this is it. It's so true. It's unusual, but it makes sense, especially with given the story. I really liked it, you know, the stipulation. 
And, I mean, like, we all knew going into this that Fuego wouldn't be winning. But the real fun's how he's going to get there. You know, like, that's what we're there for. And so, because of that, it was really nice to see this match wasn't just a squash match. Like, it was really good. Fuego was able to get in a couple of minutes of offense. After trying to hit the sliced bread, however, Fuego lost all of that momentum to Miro. And Miro capped off a flurry of strikes with a big boot to the face. There was another kick that connected with the back of Fuego's head, and Miro got the win. After the bell, Miro shoved Fuego's car keys in his mouth and hit him with the accolade. And as far as I noticed, Fuego still has the keys, so technically he may still have the car. Like, Miro's going to have to catch him if he wants that car. That's I'd be down the road before he realized what happened. But I digress. Sammy Guevara <laughs> runs in to make the save as Miro makes his exit up the ramp. In all his haste, though, Miro forgot the belt. He left the belt behind. Sammy grabs it and holds it up, tells Miro to come get it. Miro eventually made his way down to the ring to get it, and he stared Sammy down. And that's how we ended Rampage, seemingly building to a Miro versus Sammy feud. Then we had Monday, it was Dark Elevation, Thunder Rosa squashed Kaya McKenna, and Thunder Rosa looked great and really displayed her strengths in this match. Again, it was a squash match, but McKenna did not seem ready for this level of competition. I thought her work looked a little sloppy. The way she took Rosa's arm drags just looked weak, and it did not look good. And just her work and her look in general were unimpressive to me in the ring. And it seems like a waste to have Rosa squashing people like this instead of putting on the bangers that we know that she's capable of. I kind of hope this is padding her record up to help prop her up for a big match on Dynamite or Rampage soon. Have We've seen just this week with Butcher and Blade, we're building up that you know, win streak is a big deal. And so hopefully that's kind of where this is going. She got the win with the Thunder Driver. Again, obvious she would win. Took about two minutes and 39 seconds. It was fun. If you like Thunder Rosa, otherwise, you know, it was just a squash match. So, you know, check it out if you want to. Tuesday, it's dark. From inside the All Elite Zone, we had the Chaos Project versus Proud and Powerful. And Proud and Powerful are just one of the best tag teams in the world. They they just are. Like, Truth. so good. Just, just gonna hype you up on that. Truth. Period. Yeah, Done. Yeah. Like, it's a guaranteed fact. And in this match, we see more of that. Like, we saw that trademark offensive power. We saw the teamwork from these guys that they come, that we have just come to expect. And they were wrestling with a new purpose. And they just feel so exciting and so strong as a tag team and, and important. And they, they've got everything going for them. There was an amazing moment in the match where Luther threw Serpentico into Ortiz, who was going for a tope suicida. You've got to see that. Like, it has to be seen to be believed. Near the end, Serpentico accidentally super-kicked Luther, and that opened up the door for that trademark tag team offense I was just talking about. Santana and Ortiz, they got the win in just over seven minutes. Uh, as I mentioned, Wednesday night, Dynamite, there really wasn't much Lucha content going on. But 
I, again, I had reports from the show. If you are at Raw and you see the main event tapings, or you're at Dynamite, you see the Rampage taping, Dark taping, um, Elevation taping, whatever, and you want to send us those Lucha Relevant results, like, we would love that. I'm going to – you'll the show will probably have already aired by the time you hear this, but uh, this week, the 924 episode of Rampage, we see AEW TNT champion Miro attacking Fuego and Sammy Guevara during the cue card segment. Fuego was tossed on this off the stage. There we go. And Guevara was put into the game overhold. So, like I say, it's seemingly building a feud there between uh, Sammy now and Miro. Not just Fuego, but Sammy as well. AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Lucha Bros, teamed with Santana and Ortiz to defeat Private Party with Matt Hardy and the Butcher and the Blade. And then in some kind of impact-relevant News, too, for Miranda, Homicide showed up in the main event, the tag team match between with Eddie Kingston and John Moxley against Suzuki Goon. Eddie Kingston really put over Homicide on the you know on the microphone, said that he was his mentor, and that he, he you know, really wouldn't be anything without Homicide. So that was a cool spot. LAX, you know, we've seen a lot of these Conan ties to... AEW and to Dynamite, now to Rampage. Very excited there to see his inclusion. And then also this week, what we really have to discuss are the Andrade rumors. So we had Chavo Guerrero managing Andrade. Andrade turned on Chavo, threw him to the wolves, and he's gone. There had been rumored that Chavo had always been planned to, to go, you know, that had been planned for a while, uh, because he had work on the second season of Heels, he's the trainer for that, he's the stunt coordinator, they need Chavo, so he was always on the way, but it feels very coincidental to his timing, you know, with Ric Flair managing him in AAA in Mexico, uh, so, I mean, what has he got now, if not Ric Flair? He's got no manager. He's always had a manager in the U.S. I feel he could do all right without one, but we've become accustomed to him having one. There's so much going on with Ric Flair and the dark side of the ring. Um, you know, a lot of us knew about the plane ride from hell for a long time. I mean, for years. There was a report about it on WWE.com like 20 years ago. But that there was an episode of Dark Side of the Ring last week that covered it. It was the first time a lot of casual fans, non-wrestling fans, had heard about it. And so as more and more came to light, things started happening with Ric Flair. Everything he had for sale came down at the WWE shop. Uh, he was taken out of the WWE intro and replaced with Ultimate Warrior, which... Ugh, Make of that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> you History know, has a weird way of of happening. Let's just say that. But anyway. yeah, and so so much going on. Ric Flair, so much critical acclaim for his appearance at Triple Mania. He got a little physical, putting the figure four on Conan. I mean, everybody loved it, and then this really derailed. Ric Flair's thing, especially with Andrade, I feel. They took away his car commercials. Everything's gone. I feel that it would be, even if AEW wanted to, it would be in poor taste 
right now to put Ric Flair on TV and act like nothing's wrong. Right. So I don't see that happening. I mean, at best, it would be in very poor taste. But what does this do for Andrade? Because he's constantly shuffling managers. First he had Vicky and then Chavo. He's only had two matches in AEW so far. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, may be the biggest instance of AEW dropping the ball with a ready-built star. Like everybody Second, comes- Go ahead. second biggest instance, in my opinion. Sorry. Uh, they, they should have, they should have allowed him to win the AAA title. Like, that should have been, mm-hmm. they, they, I feel that dropped the ball with him there because mm-hmm. now they're stuck. Cause, because they can't, that whatever it was they had planned, they can't do now thanks to all of this. We know whether it was Ric Flair was going to be his manager or he was going to be a big surprise at a pay-per-view match. He, it was going to be something. And now they don't have that. And so their wheels are spinning. Sorry. I just had to jump in there with that, but yeah, yeah, no, no. no, but it's also, it's all related to Andrade. So I thought you were going to talk about maybe another star that they had kind of dropped the ball with. Um, but I, but it goes back to, I think at the end of the day, that syndrome that they have with, oh, look at the nice shiny toy right. where they have the big person at the moment. They bring them in and make them a big deal for a few weeks or a even a few minute. months. And then they move on to the next. Yeah. And he, so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. He's in the Christian Cage spot now. Yes. Like, yes, that's exactly. And that's kind of yeah. the the maybe that's still up for discussion because there's, you know, room for improvement. But as much as (laughs) now there's those big things about, you know, how they brought in Sting Mm -hmm. and Sam Punk and Adam Cole and, uh, you know, uh, Brian Danielson and all that, there's also some people that they brought in that they kind of dropped the ball (laughs) with. And and you have now, you know, the the Brian Cages and Andrade's in Mm -hmm. that category. Yeah. And and I said it at the time that there was a narrow window to do something good with him because they had him in before the CM Punk Brian Danielson drop, but they didn't do anything with him there, which is why I kind of why I say it's the second biggest mistake they've made with him because if they wanted him to be a star for the future, that was the time to to build it up because he was he's let's face it he's not going to shine for several weeks now because. All you have to do is have CM Punk holding a microphone for 10 minutes on the show right now. And I'm not holding that against CM Punk, but it's great television. But that means that Andrade is competing against that to 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 shine as a star. Yeah, yeah, I just I feel like his timing was the worst in all this. Yeah, we've got extreme rules this weekend. If Charlotte loses, I feel like, you know, there's a possibility we could see Charlotte Flair in AEW. Uh, I don't know that it's a likely possibility, possibility nonetheless. And pairing her with him as a manager would be kind of amazing. And yeah, no, you're right. And and great. And she could wrestle occasionally. They've got a lot of the kind of pair, you know, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford. We have Chris mm-hmm. Statlander with best friends now. So pairing male and females is kind of a thing in AEW in a way. And I would really like to see more of that. I, I wish they could kind of get a lucha stable together. I thought that's where it was going with Death Triangle. It still may be. 
uh, you know, Pack and uh, Alex Abrahantes, they do a great job on the microphone. Penta says is one of the coolest mm-hmm. things yeah. ever. And so I think that Andrade may have more to gain from those guys than they do from Andrade right now, but stable with them. And, you know, maybe lean into Ric Flair, do the four horsemen thing. You got a couple of singles guys. You got a, an amazing tag team. I think there's the, a lot they the Lucha Horsemen. There. Yeah. yeah. There's your, yeah. The I'd be all in on that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, as far as Charlotte goes, uh, I would love to see her jump ship because they, she will do better other places, but, uh, Vince McMahon has pre- made it pretty clear there is no women's division without Charlotte Flair. Yeah. So, uh, I, I yeah. just don't see it <laughs> happening at this point just because she is so pivotal within the women's division and the company in general. Yeah, yeah exactly. She's yeah. one of the few people where it feels like they're bigger than WWE. You know, WWE yes. could replace almost anybody and move on, but Charlotte is almost essential to what they do. Mm-hmm. And even more so than somebody like Alexa Bliss or Becky Lynch, I feel, because she is what made those two relevant on the main roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe not alone, but she was a huge part of their ascension to the main event you on the main correct. roster. And she is the person they can trust with anybody, and they will look like a main event star. Um, we saw some of the calamity with Nia Jax recently, but Charlotte still looked really good in the match. Mm-hmm. And it, it was compelling. It was also some of the most you know, compelling were maybe of Nia Jax's entire career, that match. Everybody's excited. They're looking back on it. And, you know... I don't know that she leaves WWE. Like I say, it's pretty far-fetched. Yeah. But aside from that, I don't know what they could do with Andrade right now, aside from pair him up with Death Triangle, uh, you know, Death Quadrangle now maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And and like I say, he could get the rub from them. They could really make a nice stable. You know, Pac's not really a, a main event guy but could be Andrade should be a main event guy, but could mid card very easily and be wildly impressive. We've got, you know, the best tag team. Well, maybe proud and powerful, giving a run for their money. So maybe mm-hmm. the, the co best tag team and a W. And I think that's where the real money is for Andrade right now. And for fans, it would just be cool to have a Lucha stable, even though Pac's not Lucha, it would be cool to have them yeah. together. And his English is great. And he can be the spokesman for the group. Like, yeah, I, I mean, the, yeah. Um, this is the, this is the one time where, AEW, in my opinion, their, their style of using the, the friendships and relationships that already exist to help build storyline and factions works against them because now that the Ric Flair angle is gone, where Andrade would stand the biggest chance for a huge pop is to do something completely unexpected. And I don't know what that would be. You know, coming out with best friends is the most ridiculous example I can think of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some, you know, something that, that like only, uh, a WWE would think of and then they would push it and then people at first would be like, what? And then some, and buy into it because somehow WWE is able to do that sometimes. And I feel like that's what he needs right now. That kind of outside the box, where's this going to go sort of thing. Cause. Mm-hmm. To to the casual fan, he still just looks like WWE cast-offs. 
So he uh, he needs he needs assistance from somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for Andrade news, AEW news, all the AEW shows, check out LuchaCentral.com. We'll have reviews, news, videos, and everything else you can imagine. And it's all at LuchaCentral.com. And now we're going to kick it to Miranda. She's got some exciting stuff going on with Impact Wrestling. Yes, I told you he wouldn't be able to predict the order of this week's show. Maybe Even we would can't, have been, because yeah, one version of my have, notes. You you may have been able to predict the first two, but Impact Wrestling on this level, no, I don't think a lot of people predicted it. But, you know, as we say, we like to uh, reward promotions with great Lucha Libre content on a weekly basis. And this week, Impact Wrestling had it with Victory Road 2021, which was uh, live exclusively on the Impact Plus app. There was some three, uh, some matches, three in particular matches with Lucha Libre or Lucha adjacent content. The first one was a triple threat match, Steve Macklin versus Petey Williams versus TJP. And in this match, I mean, you had some typical things from TJP um, at the beginning. Of course, he um, had a dive outside uh, of the ring onto Steve Macklin. And then Macklin ended up going for, uh, I believe, a cross body um, has turned to a, a vertical suplex, but also uh, was fighting TJP on the ramp. Um, there was a, a great uh, kind of just, you know, maneuvering around the ring and kind of partnership between PD Williams and TJP that seems to have some kind of mutual respect with Steve Macklin being that odd guy out that kind of Rudo within the match. Um, but Steve Macklin, I mean, fairly impressive. He ended up uh, putting uh, Petey Williams and TJP in a double tree of woe position um, and, you know, really continued to capitalize on these opportunities throughout the match uh, for some pinfalls. Um, towards the middle end of the match, you had all three men in the ring just laying into each other. Um, and again, seeing that that partnership or mutual respect between TJP and PD Williams, um, again, where they were able to corner Steve Macklin um, and hit him with some punches. But ultimately, uh, towards the end of the match, you had TJP hitting the detonation kick on Steve Macklin. And then PD Williams, though. Uh, ended up putting the Canadian Destroyer on TJP, and then Steve Macklin was able to capitalize on that and ended up putting his finishing maneuver on TJP for the win. Uh, so I don't know if we'll see maybe a TJP PD Williams rivalry. I would be for that. Again, they've had this mutual respect, but once, uh, PD Williams, um, put the, put TJP in the Canadian Destroyer, it seemed like all rules were out the door. Up next, and this is, I think, the most exciting part of the victory road as far as anyone who's a Lucha Libre fan. We had a five-way scramble between Trey Miguel, Jake Something, John Schuyler, Black Taurus, and Laredo Kid. Um, And so being able to put Black Taurus and Laredo Kid in the same match 
If you have not seen the clips online, there is an amazing clip of Black Taurus and Laredo Kid having an amazing exchange in the ring. And that is just what you really need to see. But uh, again, going back to the beginning of the match, they were able to team up. They started off by teaming up to send Jake something outside of the ring. Um, and uh, essentially everyone outside of the ring. And, and that's how they got that opportunity to, to work together right in the middle of the ring. Um, and eventually everyone came back in. Uh, Laredo Kid also had a really great sequence with Jake something, um, where Laredo Kid was able to get out of a powerbomb attempt, um, and ended up, um, hitting Hurricane Rana on Jake something to get him outside of the ring, I believe. Um, again, too, Laredo Kid really with the speed and, um, the showmanship in this match. He had a beautiful missile drop kick on Jake something as well. Um, and then you had Trey Miguel and Laredo Kid um, trading off monkey flips. So uh, you had Black Taurus with a big Samoan drop on John Schuyler. I mean, a lot of action as I'm just reading off all of these moves. Um, but at the end, you had Laredo Kid um, hitting the Laredo Fly, Spanish Fly, on John Schuyler to pick up the win. Um, and... I have a theory about what this all means in a little bit. I'm going to go into just the rest of the results for Victory Road. But to see Laredo Kid in this match, to see Black Taurus, that whole sequence. But everyone in this match um, was, I think, a, a pleasant surprise. This wasn't announced prior to the show, but definitely one of the matches that really stole the show at Victory Road. It was actually a last-minute change, and thank goodness for a card is subject to change. So, Yes, this is one of the instances <laughs> where cards subject to change is a good thing. Uh, but we also had uh, the Impact World Tag Team Championships defended. The current champions, the good brother, faced Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Um, the match started off with Doc Gallows and Willie Mack. They're kind of two bigger uh, tag mates or... or, or um, individuals from their respective tag teams um from there though rich swan entered the match and was really the one getting punished throughout the entirety of the match um he eventually was able to get the hot tag back in to willie mack um and then once that happened uh you know the the momentum changed a little bit but it was still more in the favor of the good brothers uh carl anderson um was able to um and put a, a pretty big spine buster on Willie Mack, surprisingly. Um, and then ultimately, we did have the Good Brothers win the match with the Magic Killer um, on Willie Mack. Um, even though at first he was able to turn it around with a neck breaker, uh, after that, they were able to um, get Rich Swan out of the ring and set it up again on Willie Mack. So... We do have you still your Impact World Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers. Um, an interesting thing about this, too, and I'll get to it in a second, and this is where my theory pops in. Um, we did have uh, Christian Cage defend the uh, Impact World Championship um, against Ace Austin, in which he won. We also had uh, Josh Alexander defend the X Division Championship. Um, in which he won too. At the end of Victory Road, we did get confirmation, uh, that Josh Alexander is, has decided to implement 
option C, which is something is a little known uh, rule, apparently, within impact wrestling or stipulation what is what you can kind of call it regarding the X division championship. And I had to research this a little bit. Uh, but again, let me just get to it because I have a theory behind this. So option C is when the current X division champion voluntarily vacates the championship in order to get a world title match. Now this originated with Austin Aries in 2012. Um, and it has kind of carried on throughout the years. The last time that option C was implemented before this was in 2018 when Brian Cage defeated Sammy Callahan, um, into retain the exhibition championship. And after that match, he, uh, implemented or asked for opt to use option C. Um, to be then to face then champion Johnny Impact, aka Johnny Mundo, aka John Morrison. Um, so with that, officially this week on Impact on Access TV, Josh Alexander relinquished the X Division Championship in order to face Christian Cage at Bound for Glory. Um, so what this means is that we have a vacant X Division Championship. Going back to that five-way scramble. And kind of the history that we've seen in the X Division now for almost the past two years, a series of multi-man matches or contenders. I have a feeling that they're setting up a lot of people within that scramble, if not within Impact, to be contenders for the X Division title. And I feel like with the wins Laredo Kid has had recently, his name is on the top of that list. Is this a, a strange conspiracy theory, guys, or do you think I'm onto something? No, you're totally onto something. That fits right into like TNA's kind of motif. The fact that option C is being brought back up kind of really says that they're going back to classic TNA kind of booking, which was a lot of multi-man matches in the X division. So, you know, yeah, they're, if they're looking at their history, that's a good place to look. It's what made the X Division feel exciting and kind of frantic at times, too. Anybody could win. I mean, if you'd see some of the strangest guys. I think we saw Willie Mack. Um, I'm pretty sure I remember Kevin Nash in an X Division multi-man match. And so you get some really fun, unusual stuff going on, too, when you do that, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just feel like why would they be setting this up? But especially the Laredo kid who not only won that scramble, but this week on Before the Impact, they had the rubber match between him and John Schuyler. Uh, previously, last week on Impact on Access TV, we did have the rematch of John Schuyler versus Laredo Kid. In that match, John Schuyler won, but that was primarily of doing some Rudo tactics and um, trying to remove the mask off Laredo Kid. Um, this week, Laredo Kid, you got a roll-up pin, um, and now, as commentary had played up, they're two to one. Um, I don't know if this is going to continue on with another series, but pretty much they've advertised this and, and talked about this as, you know, the third match in their series. So the fact that Laredo Kid not only got the win in the scramble, but also seems to kind of cement that victory with his feud with John Schuyler, I think puts them in a very good situation to be part of, you know, a contendership for the X Division Championship. Which would be awesome. Yes. 
I'm just going to throw this out into the universe because it's happened when I've done it before. Um, you have that big multi-man match, and then you have uh, whatever name he's using, Grand Metalik, show up at the end of it and challenge uh, the winner. Yeah. <laughs> just take my money. Yeah. And again, I mean, we so we, we, we may have this for Bound for Glory coming up in a few weeks um, because, again, it, it, the, the championship was vacated this week on Impact on Access TV, so it is, is officially up for grabs. I also do think this puts the championship in a good place to have Josh Alexander beat Christian Cage for it. It makes sense uh, when you use option C. And ultimately, I don't think we all expected to have Christian Cage in it for this long. Um, and I think it would be awesome for Josh Alexander to win the world championship in this way. So, yeah. um, I, you know, again, Josh Alexander versus Christian Cage isn't necessarily Lucha content, but the implications of this absolutely could play out for the X division. Well, and, uh, it, yeah, it puts the X division back in, in, in super prominence, which means they're going to try and grab people that are going to be eye catching. So, yeah. And again, the, the, the booking of Laredo Kid on Impact um, over just the past three to four weeks has been really outstanding. Um, so, I mean, I, it, it puts things in a very positive spin uh, for me um, and, and the high hopes that uh, I have personally about Laredo Kid's uh, work in, in Impact Wrestling. Um, just a quick note about a few other matches this week uh, on Impact on Access TV. Again, we are recording this while it's happening, so we don't have any match results right now. But just know that Rohit Raju faced uh, Chelsea Green. Um, and this feud, I just love it. Chelsea versus Rohit is, uh, fantastic. And again, a great utilization of what makes Impact unique with intergender wrestling. Uh, we also had Rich Swan and Willie Mack versus Brian Myers and VSK. Um, so I, I don't know where the, the tag title contendership comes into play, but we are continuing to see Rich Swan and Willie Mack team up. Also made official uh, this week, uh, and just recently as we are recording this, uh, Mickey James will challenge Deanna Parazzo for the Knockouts Championship at Bound for Glory. Um, it's just been posted up originally. Um, you know, Deanna refused, but Scott Demore kind of, uh, I think, put his foot down and said, Yes, this is going to happen. So uh, big things coming up on the road to uh, Bound for Glory. Um, and again, I'm going to be very excited to see maybe the match announcements and how they're going to handle the exhibition championship now that it's vacated. Um, but Victory Road is available on the Impact Plus app if you want to watch it. Um, and again, the clips of Black Taurus and Laredo Kid. Uh, I know are up in the internet and you just, just seeing that sequence between them is a, a dream. So big congratulations to impact wrestling for finally pulling the trigger on that. Well, that is it for this week in impact wrestling. You know, you're going to want to stay tuned to the Lucha central weekly podcast for more information on uh, impact on access TV, the road to bound for glory and much, much more. Stay tuned. I didn't even know about the homicide on AEW until Dusty mentioned it. I was going to say I can't believe homicide was the one to, to break through that <laughs> forbidden door. I did not expect homicide to be the one to do it, but it makes perfect sense. 
Um, so, uh, you know, we will continue to see what happens with impact. But again, the utilization of Laredo Kid, uh, on, on impact is to me a big win. But up next, you know it, you love it. It's the segment we do each and every week. It is this week in Lucha Libre history with Dusty. That's right. Now it's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera for information, birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, reviews, all kinds of content, even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week... We chose to watch September, we chose September the 22nd, 2019, when Bandito won the 14th edition of the PWG Battle of Los Angeles tournament after beating David Starr and Jonathan Gresham in a three-way elimination match at the Globe Theater in Los Angeles, California. And for those of you that don't know, the Battle of Los Angeles is a 24-man format tournament held over three nights. The first two nights are first-round matches, while the third night contains the second round and the semifinals, before, you know, eventually heading into a three-way match for the championship. In 2019, to get to the finals, Bandito had already beaten Puma King in the first round, Brody King in the second round, and Dragon Lee in the semifinals, and just a, a beautiful, beautiful match, fantastic match, before he got to the... Finals and defeated David Starr and Jonathan Gresham in that triple threat. Gresham eliminated Starr with the octopus via ref stoppage. This left Bandito and Gresham in a singles match. Bandito eventually used a Samoan drop, followed by a reverse fallaway slam off the top rope and hit the 21 plex for the win. This was a huge match at the time. For those of you that saw it or, you know, kind of remember it, this is what really, like, pushed Bandito's momentum over the top. This is when he kind of became a star. His shirts were impossible to find at the time. His masks were impossible to get. This was a big deal, and it was so cool for somebody like Bandito, who really has all the talent to back it up. Brendan, what did you think of this match? Well, uh, so the, the unfortunately for me, the main event is tainted by the fact that uh, so much has happened with David Starr since this has happened. Right. Mm-hmm. That's so very true. I, I chose instead to rewatch the highlights of the Brody King match uh, for a number of reasons, um, guest starring Ref Aubrey as well. But uh, the, the, yeah, uh, that was a cool spot. <laughs> the uh, the the fact that. Um, that Brody King is lucha trained, and you know, I was so I was focused on that one. It's a fantastic match there, and uh, Battle of he Los Angeles. So good for his size in a yeah. match with the Bandito yeah. like or with the luchador like Bandito. I mean, it was incredible what he was able to do. Like such a good match. Yeah, yeah, indeed. PWG has always been good at finding the guys that are going to be good at that West Coast lucha style and highlighting them. So it. Battle of Los Angeles is always the time to tune in and see. And to your point, it really did feel like uh, Bandito was a made man after that. Like he was set to be 
a big star wherever he went. It happened to be ROH, which I don't disagree with that move, but he could have gone anywhere after the, after this successful Battle of Los Angeles. He truly could have, and it was the first time he felt too big for Mexico. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it felt like he was too good to, to stay in Mexico. Like there was no reason to. He needed to be on a bigger stage. Yeah, I agree. Miranda, what were your thoughts? Well, I think really for me, being able to see the flow of sequences in this match was really unique. How everything led into something else. Um, and I think really the chemistry between Bandito and Jonathan Gresham was outstanding. Um, Phenomenal. and yeah, I, I just really loved how it just felt like they were always a step plus ahead of each other. And I felt like just the flow of moves was really unique that you don't really see that often. Um, it was very continuous. Now there was moments where you could tell because of the fact that it was a triple threat and the way that they kind of relied on each other for the next move, you know, like everything, the timing had to be perfect. And when it wasn't perfect, right. you could, you could kind of, you could kind of tell, but especially Dusty, as you were describing that octopus, uh, on, uh, David Starr, uh, from Jonathan Gresham and how not only did he have the, the submission on, but he was just pounding him with you know his his forearm like literally beating him like i could feel how uncomfortable that would be um so just i really actually loved jonathan gresham in here where you saw how fluid his movements were but also at the same time how strong he is and I think Bandito just flowed really well into that as as well. So I just really liked the flow of this match. And I think the sequences were just so unique as far as like one thing leading to another, to another, to another, um, which I can only imagine how challenging that was to, to implement and plan out. But, um, you know, you could hear the crowd in the background really cheering for Bandito. And I think it was really that mainstream support, uh, United States support, too, that made a, a difference for him. And I think this was the match that did that. Well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. As Dusty mentioned, you can find this day in Lucha Libre history at LuchaCentral.com. But wait, there's more. Brendan, can you let our listeners know what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Let's do this. Uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's definitely, definitely time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all the top news in English and in Spanish, find the best curated video content, and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards. Seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go, folks. This is the the kicker. This is the cherry on top of the sundae. It's all free. LuchaCentral.com. Your centralized place for all the things Lucha Libre. And Brendan, while you're at it, since you're here and did such a good job with that, (laughs) we do have some Ring of Honor news to share. 
Uh, yes, uh, we, we, I, I hinted at it earlier. They did have the big lucha event down in Mexico at Bandito's gym, since we were just talking about Bandito. Uh, so we had, uh, five matches. Uh, just very quick on the, the opener. Uh, even I don't know a lot of these. Dusty, if you know too many of these, if you know some of these guys and have ideas, help me out here. Uh, we had, Ecstasies, Kometa Maya, Radioactivo, Limbo, Utani, Tirano, Susie Love, Travis Banks, Elemental, Bendito, Gravity, and Mil Almas in the, in a pinfall elimination rumble style match. Um, again, nobody was announcing this. Um, the main reason this was made bigger news was because of the inclusion of Travis Banks. Uh, I had the, um, I, th- I thought I had the winner written down here. Uh, apparently I focused so much on the Travis Banks stuff, I forgot who actually won. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it's, you've got a lot of, these are a lot of guys that are out of Bandito school. It would, it looks like it was all in all pretty good. Unfortunately, the presence of Travis Banks means that we will probably never see it in, in English. Uh, there's a decent chance that even the Mexican YouTube channels aren't going to carry that match because it doesn't hold a torch to a lot of the rest of this fall. You had Delirious, uh, this, this card, uh, you had Delirious and Skyade in the next match. And as I mentioned before, this was kind of a, this should be kind of a maestro's match. These are two guys who have taught the majority of the current generation of luchadors. Uh, Delirious out of the ROH dojo and Skyade all over the place. He's taught in Chicago. He's taught in Mexico. He's taught in California. Uh, he's a, a Vinny Masario mentioned he was a regular when he, when Vinny was going through. Vinny's now a teacher and, and teaching at other places. So that'll tell you just how good a teacher Skyade is and how legendary he is. He's been at, at Expo Lucha. So, uh, you know, definitely you check out his matches. Uh, Delirious came out on top on this one. Uh, I, I felt like this one could have gone either way, which was part of my excitement. You had, uh, Cyclone Ramirez Jr. against Elemental and PJ Black in the next. Cyclone Ramirez came out on top on this, getting a submission on PJ Black while PJ was attempting a pinfall. So kind of an exciting finish. Um, then here we go. This is where you start getting that real ROH versus, uh, versus Big Lucha feel. You had the Briscoes against Demonic Flamita teamed with Emperador Azteca and uh, Bestia 666 against and Ray Horus. So you had a three-way tag match. The Briscoes did win this, uh, which kind of allowed uh, allowed uh, Drelistico and Dragon Lee to come out and challenge the Briscoes. <laughs> so they are already teasing more matches. Uh, they're going to have that that LFI the LFI combination of Dralistico and uh, Dragon Lee 
challenging the Briscoes, whether that'll be on RH programming or on Big Lucha programming. I don't know, but either way, I will throw tons of money at it. Um, Drillistico just looks more and more impressive every time I see him out there talking. Those masks are just great. Um, and they, they're teasing more matches. So, uh, and their congratulations. I love this note that, uh, again, the Lucha Block made that they congratulated Drillistico on quitting out CMLL. So we're, it's, it's right, right there with the WWE comparisons. They just keep, Keep uh, they're keeping pace with the WWE on all this bad stuff, and then the main event you had L you had Bandito defending the world title against Matt Taven. Now clearly they weren't going to have the title change yet, but they made this very competitive, uh, fantastic set of matches. Uh, just all around very exciting card, top to bottom. They have Riccaboni, and Riccaboni has said. That he is going to have this released on ROH's, uh, service with him doing commentary minus the, uh, the scramble at the beginning. And, uh, we will, uh, we will see, get, get to see this with English commentary if that's your thing in the very near future. Otherwise it probably, there's probably some YouTube coverage of it somewhere and definitely results were on Lucha Central. So there you go. And you also have some CMLL news to share, too. Well, yeah. So I, I felt we had to do this. I had things a little backwards. The anniversary show was is this weekend. Uh, I said last show that it was last weekend because I was looking at Homan's uh, Dos Leyendas, which was uh, the other big another big show that they're doing. And it's easy for me to con- get confused. Also, I had worked. Too many hours last week and hadn't slept, so my bad. But I've got the the results from the the show that did happen, and we will have results from the show that is about to happen, or will have happened by the time you're hearing this, on next week's show. Um, we had Diamond, Magia Blanca, and Magnus against Disturbio and El Quixote. Uh, Diamond and Magia Blanca came out on top on this. We had Dark Silhouette, Marcella, Reina Isis, Stephanie Vacker versus Dallas, La Jarochita, and Uvia. Uh, this is a relevant, incredible sort of match, only by the inclusion of Dallas on the side with the two baby faces. So I don't, I don't Anyway, the all heels does Dark Silhouette, Marcella, Reina, and, uh, uh, Marcella, Reina, Isis. They, they came out on top. Uh, we had Euphoria, Echicero, and Mystico uh, against Atlantis, Junior, Negro Casas, and Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, also, this is more of a true Relevos Incredibos with, uh, just one baby face or Technico on each side, but, uh, Euphoria is kind of Going a little bit uh, either way lately. Uh, Euphoria, Echicero, and Mystico came out on top. Um, Echicero looked like he took most of the work on this one, which is fine with me. I love seeing him wrestle. And then we had Volador Jr. against Gran Guerrero. Uh, 
for as this was part of the Copa Independenza, Volador Jr. came out on top on this, and then you had your main event, which was an Apuestas match. Barbario Cavanario versus Felino in a hair match. And uh anybody who wants to see a bald cat, just tune into this this uh, episode of CMLL because the caveman won and the cat got his hair shaved. Um and then just a quick re rerun here, the anniversario run uh, matches that we're going to have on Friday. Templario versus Dragon Rojo Jr. Titan and Volador Jr. versus the Gamilio Diablo 1 and 2. Echicero versus Ultimo Guerrero. Espirito Negro and Rey Kamada versus Akuma and Espanto Jr. La Charochita and Uvia against Dark Silhouette and Reina Isis. And these are all for, for titles. So, uh, they're all, they all have kind of a, a big thing. They were all voted on by the fans. Some of them are the, the tag team matches were, are for vacant titles. Uh, always the anniversary is always a big show. So do tune in. Uh, but that is our CMLL news for the week. Thank you, Brendan. Up next, not traditionally further down the list, but, you know, the competition is steep now, and that is NXT. Um, you know, this is week two of NXT 2.0, a big emphasis on new talent, and that includes Legado de Fantasma's Electra Lopez. Last week, we saw the debut match of B-Fab, somewhat her counterpart slash rival in Hit Row. Now we saw Electra Lopez in her own debut match against Anna Shear. I'm not saying this because I have a favoritism towards Legado de Fantasma. I think it's just a majority of people feel this way. Electra Lopez's debut match seemed to go better than B-Fab's debut match. Um, you know, was it still a little rough? Yes. But I think that the chemistry was a lot better. The finishing maneuver of it seemed like this kind of like a kind of like a blue thunder bomb, but just more like a power bomb made a lot more sense. Um, and it just seemed like that match went smoother. So Electra Lopez got the win. After the match, Legado de Fantasma came into the ring and cut a promo where Santos acknowledged Electra being the final piece of Legado de Fantasma. And Electra cutting a really solid promo, calling herself La Madrina de Legado de Fantasma and calling out B-Fab. Uh, B-Fab came out, hit row once again, has just the continuance of this feud is keeping on going with the emphasis being on the women, which again, I appreciate because you've already established this feud between these two rival factions. Now just building up and really solidifying the feud between the women. Um, and I mean, it, it just does feel like somehow they're going to be moving into a larger faction you know, match somehow. I just, I just can't see, you know, them not moving into this direction if, if them not continuing to do this every single week. Um, so I, I'm just keeping my hopes up, but it also in seeing Electra really got me thinking about, you know, her potential within NXT and just giving me some Raquel Gonzalez vibes. And at one point, man, I would love to see a Raquel Electra Lopez match. Um, oh, La Madrina oh, versus La Diabla. 
Like, that's some Latina heat that you can't even imagine happening. But, um, you know, or even hell, if they were a tag team, like, damn, would that be, you know, a good setup? It just would be crazy. It would just be crazy. Um, just some fantasy booking that came came out as I was watching. But, um, you know, again, it does seem like they are moving more towards a larger feud or more long-term something. Some, something happening with Legato and Hit Row. Um, you know, they're, they're building the pieces each and every week. And the fact that this has been able to continue as NXT has made such a big shift does mean like they, they do place importance in this feud. Um, which is, is something that I very much appreciated. Talking about storyline consistency, uh, and, and, you know, storyline co- coming back to something within story. We finally got to see Raquel Gonzalez. Um, she came out of William Regal's office and ran right into Frankie Monet. And it was announced that they would be competing um, for the NXT Women's Championship next week. So finally, it is, it is happening. Yes, it's then, still on TV. It's still on TV. You're right, but this is again, this is a a new NXT. We don't even really know what the future of Takeovers is going to look like. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, it's true. We don't know, and I'm more excited to see this match. I just was really hoping when they delayed it and then made an announcement that it would be the kind of marquee matchup for a a bigger event. No, and I agree. I wish there was even just more promo and feuding between the two. Um, That even if it was just more of a setup of an additional promo or interaction, that we would get a stronger buildup. But, um, you know, uh, it is what it is. We're we're living in a new world of NXT, but we are getting it next week on NXT, so we will definitely see. Now, this will be very interesting because of the women's matches that we've seen have been more on this newer talent. You know Raquel can go. You know Frankie can go. So I'm hoping they're given the time and the opportunity to have a really solid match. Um, so that that is... I feel like this will be very telling as to the future of of the women's division in NXT. Yes. Like mm-hmm. if we get a good long match and they're allowed to do a lot of things, then we're going to know that uh, whoever's running NXT right now, because we know it's not Triple H, uh, it, uh, is is backing this women's division. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't get that, then I feel really bad because it's a waste of the, really, the one of the best women's, the, the one of the best divisions on the. On I know, the and we've talked about it up till about you know two uh, a month ago, even two months ago. You know, I would always say that NXT has the best women's division in all pro wrestling, and now that that NXT has shifted their focus, um, it really leaves the landscape wide open. You know, I mean, WWE has some of the most talented women in all of pro wrestling, but they don't give them the airtime. You know, AEW has kind of the same issue, but not only are they not given the airtime, they're still figuring out how to build their feuds. Um, Places. They uh, they suffer more from the fact that there's a giant gap between their high end and their low end. So Mm -hmm. they they're they need to figure out how to build stars, which is not a problem NXT has. They 
built Raquel from nothing. I mean, and this is as a Raquel fan, they just, she came out of nowhere though, realistically. Yeah. And so they have no problem building stars. They had the answer to that problem, which NXT, so sorry. Yeah. I'm just trying to highlight just how good NXT was. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Impact has a, a, a very lean roster where it's very top heavy with Deanna Brasso, but she's really gone through every woman they have. Um, and so with impact having as, as much of a lean roster as they do, um, you know, it, it makes it where they have a lot of potential, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room with their, you know, the amount of talent and ring of honor is still really rebuilding their women's division. I mean, the tournament has completed and ended and they have a new women's champion. It's now, what do they do with those components of, mm-hmm. you know, who they're deciding to keep? And I'll talk about MLW in a moment, but, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot going on. It really leaves the, the landscape of women's wrestling truly, truly wide open. Um, speaking yeah. go, real quick, as far as the continuance of women, um, and, and lucha content this week on NXT, um, we did see, Really, a uh, more of a formal introduction of Toxic Attraction, which is the new trio of Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and uh, JC Jane. Um, they just put it out there that they are here to take over what they said the best women's division in the world. With that, Io Shirai had kind of accepted the challenge of Toxic Attraction, which caused some dissension and discord with Zoe Stark. But ultimately, uh, is I think Persia Parada, um, and, uh, Indy Hartwell are gonna go after, uh, the, the tag titles, um, uh, of Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. So, um, you know, this also does open up a bit of what the, the contendership looks like for the women's tag titles. I could absolutely see Toxic Attraction coming in eventually to take those titles, um, you know, depending on who truly is running NXT, we know Mandy Rose has been uh, a favorite. And the emphasis that they're putting on this new trio makes it so that, you know, it's hard to, to imagine that they're not going to eventually put the titles on them. And also, you know, uh, t- tag title champions like Io Shirai and Zoe Stark, which are, you know, usually, uh, you know, they, they tend to end in in some issues uh and eventually lead to its own program you know seems like the direction they could go so um we may see an Io Shirai Zoe Stark feud which I would absolutely be on board with and I think that could actually be an anchor in this new NXT 2.0 women's division um and and something we could have absolutely seen in the women's division you know 2 months ago so as far as Lucha content, a lot of that is still being carried on in the women's division in NXT. But again, um, a, a lot of it going back to the beginning, a lot of that seems to build up that bigger feud between Hit Row and Legato the Fantasma. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the new era of NXT is still producing some great content. Um, and uh, ultimately, we will just have to continue to wait and see what happens. But make I, sure you stay. Go ahead. I just actually had a thought on this. I would argue at this point, based on how well the WWE classically have treated this this women's division versus how they've treated the luchadors, that the women may be our only hope for 
good lucha content yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Um, just, just, uh, as you were presenting that, I, that thought crossed my mind. So it really needed to be just kind of put into words. <laughs> Sorry. No, very much agree. Um, and of course you can get your NXT results at luchacentral.com. Last but not least, MLW. We have the return of MLW this week with MLW Fusion, South of Fusion, actually, um, in which we had uh, three pretty good matches, two of them with Lucha-related content. And we also saw kind of the initial uh, employment of Cesar Duran. We got to see him in action as a, a head booker or man, matchmaker, as they call it in MLW. Still up to some of his same kind of tricks. Uh, we saw him in a few different interactions throughout mm-hmm. the night, um, which definitely, definitely gives you Lucha Underground vibes. It just, well, one uh, of them outright called it out. So, well, yes, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's very, it's a little meta without doing it. Um, I mean, first we had uh, Matt Cross go up to Caesar Duran and tell him about, you know, how they used to work together and and how essentially what used to happen is not gonna uh, is not gonna run with Matt Cross. Um, and that essentially he wants to have a title shot. Uh, we also saw some of the kind of the conniving nature of Caesar Duran with uh, filthy Tom Lawler. Tom Lawler entered Caesar's office and pretty much told him that he wanted a title opportunity and he felt like he was being mistreated. Caesar agreed with him. Um, and with that, gave him an op- title opportunity, but not for the title he was hoping for. He actually uh, has signed um, a match next week uh, against Alexander Hammer, Hammerstone, um, which for that uh, open weight uh, championship, which Tom Lawler wasn't super thrilled with because he was looking for uh, the world championship. Um, so he got a title shot, just not the one that he was looking for. Um, but, you know, I think Cesar Duran's presence adds something really unique to MLW. It is something that um, really helps tie in story um, Mm -hmm. in ways that, you know, kind of bridges gaps. And again, if you are a Lucha Underground fan, you could easily jump into this and it will make sense. Um, And his presence is just perfect. The perfect amount of attitude and power and control. Um, It's not over the top. It makes perfect sense for Mm -hmm. This iteration of MLW. That that Lawler interaction you were just talking about felt very much like it would have been yes. just as in place in Lucha Underground with uh, Johnny Mundo going into Dario's office and asking for a title shot and then getting fed to uh, Matanza, right? Like, that's exactly the same energy it gave off. So, uh, yeah. I, I loved it, uh, and I even loved that there was an even more blatant interaction where he had a picture of Dario Cueto yes. <laughs> while he's standing next to it and said, does this it, guy look familiar? Because yeah. it's me. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's it's a little meta in a way, but I, I love that. You know, yeah. it's, it's leaning into saying it without saying it. It's the yeah. wink and the nudge. Um, but again, too, I feel like MLW in some ways where the wrestling is really good, the storylines have been a little choppy. And mm-hmm. so I feel like Caesar's role will help with more storyline continuity and uh, explanation. Yeah, no, 
I agree. It's going to help elevate the what what has classically been their weak spot. Yeah. Uh, they they traditionally have put on very good matches. They love to do style versus style matches, but a lot of the time we didn't get an explanation. We just got told, "Hey, you're going to see this awesome match," and now we have an avenue with this uh, Caesar Durant character to to just make these random matches happen, and and you're looking forward to them more as a result. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, uh, also a very quick note too about Fusion Alpha. They made the announcement of, uh, the resurgence or the development of the MLW Women's Featherweight Division. Um, some of the announce, the, the names announced so far is the Sea Stars, Brittany Blake, Holla Dead, Zoe Sky, Willow Nightingale, and Nicole, Nicole Savoy. Um, so we've already had the announcement of Holla Dead, I believe, versus Nicole Savoy at Fightland uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, it was announced earlier this summer that MLW is putting a focus on developing uh, the featherweight women's or the women's featherweight division. Um, so uh, that's, uh, again, something else about MLW with the big plans of expansion um, and, and really just moving forward. I'm very, very excited about that. We also got an LAX vignette. Woohoo! Uh, so that was saucy, just, too. Yes. I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, but real quick, going into the matches, um, we had Gino Medina versus Casey Navarro. Um, Casey Navarro was signed to MLW earlier this year, and this was Casey's first match. Very fitting that it's against Gino Medina. I mean, he's been um, mm-hmm. really a, a big up-and-comer in MLW, and he's been having points to prove. It's obvious that any newcomer within MLW is going to have to have some beef with Gino Medina because – He's in this middle ground where he absolutely has the talent, but man, there's so, it, it's a very competitive, uh, promotion. And not only now does he have to face people, you know, in places maybe above him, now there's this whole surge of talent coming in that he has to kind of fight off mm-hmm. to keep his place. And Casey Navarro, um, is absolutely one of them. Yeah. This match, really fast paced to begin with. And if you've seen Casey Navarro wrestle, this wasn't a surprise. Um, they took the action outside of the ring, um, which was just what Gino needed to kind of get recentered. Um, and it looked like he was going to take advantage, but, um, Casey Navarro did a beautiful suicide dive through the middle rope. Um, and, I had watched this not too long after watching that Battle of Los Angeles uh, match, <laughs> and it gave me some of the same vibes as far as the connectivity of sequences and really mm-hmm. how they were both kind of thinking very similarly. Um, Casey Navarro was just incredibly quick and smart in his movements, um, but eventually Gino had more of the experience and strength on his side, um, and he won by putting in a new finishing maneuver it's like a torture rack into an x factor the way that they commentary described it for the win which i think is a great combination for him as far as the strength of putting someone over his shoulders and the ability to move them kind of face first into the ground um so i think that's a really entertaining and and strong finishing maneuver for gina medina he wins and gives a very hard welcome to mlw uh to casey navarro yeah, I uh, 
I love the match. I love the finisher for Gino because yes. it is a fantastic combination of power and technical ability, which yes. is at this point in his career is kind of his defining uh kind of characteristics. Uh he is he kind of rebranded himself a little bit too because he's not coming out with the the swagger and the suit and all of that. He's coming out in gear. Mm-hmm. He's definitely taken advantage of the of 2020 to get a little a lot more ripped. Um you know, he's yeah, he uh, it's all in all I lo- really like this new look and and new vision for him and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see more of him in MLW. Then your main event, which I think was just one of the best wrestling matches of all of wrestling this week, and that was Davey Richards versus TJP. Now, what I think is very interesting about TJP is, you know, he is all over the independent scene, but he is on two televised wrestling programs um, simultaneously with Impact and MLW. And the way that his character is is very different. In Impact Wrestling, he's very much, you know, a technical, a babyface. Um, even in the program that he has with Macklin and, and Petey Williams, much more of a face. But in MLW, he is a rudo, pure heel. And, and that started off with a, a promo that he did earlier on where he called out Davey Richards. He was very arrogant and pretty much called out Davey Richards for one of the best the things he knows how to do best is to quit. And so he was going to make him do that in this match. Um, and you saw a lot of some of that, that cockiness come into play at the beginning. Um, uh, but Davey Richards, both of them are hybrid types of wrestlers, but with different settings. You know, Davey Richards has been a global star, but mainly out in, you know, the United States, Canada, Europe, where TJP has a little bit more of that lucha influence, Asian influence. Um, and so they're both hybrid and both technical wrestlers with amazing submission abilities. That was also the emphasis that commentary continued to, to play up is that they are both technical submission machines and just the chain wrestling there and the sequences that they had throughout this match um, was fantastic. Um, there was towards the beginning, GT, TJP really used his legs uh, to lock in for head scissors uh, over Richard's head Davey Richards was able to counter that into his own head scissors. And then TJP was able to counter that by getting into a headstand and get out of that again uh, to, to get out of the head scissors. So they're just so incredibly smart um, with their maneuvers. Um, there was an octopus hold by TJP and he really used all of the weight to try and push that submission. And as Davey got into the ropes, uh, TJP moved into a suplex and but again, the cockiness that TJP had and just the gloating to the fans, he flipped up the fans. He knew that the fans just did not like him. That was the space that Davy Richard needs to capitalize and catch up. Eventually, they ended up uh, on to the, the corner um, on the ropes and they were trading headbutts. And eventually, Davy Richards was able to hit a superplex off the top rope. Um, and then towards the end, you had kind of these competing ankle locks. Um, which was what TJP had said he was going to win the match with. Um, earlier on in the match, uh, Davey Richards missed a big double stomp. He was able to get that in later in the match, plus a, ba- a brain buster. Um, and right after that, uh, Davey Richards was able to, to lock in the ankle lock, and TJP tapped out pretty quickly. 
So this was, if you are a wrestling fan and you love wrestling, this is a match you have to see this week. I know there was, you know, big talk about other big wrestling matches this week, but this is, I think, one of the best wrestling matches of the entire week. Um, and a great way to bring in Davey Richards, who we haven't seen that much, but also a different side of TJP, which I think him playing the heel in MLW is just something different. He's a, he's kind of more of a natural baby face, but damn, is he a good heel too? So, um, MLW returning with Alpha Fusion, great content and great wrestling. And it gets better because next week we are going to see this is going to be a lucha match that people don't want to miss. And that's Addies versus Adamis happening next week. Fire. We've talked about it. We've talked, and maybe you don't have the time to go deep diving on YouTube to find matches between these two. This is your chance because it's going to be right there. This, these are two. uh, I mean, Dusty, you've seen these guys on on uh, AAA matches as well, right? They're they're hot, hot young talents. Now, Dusty's playing with his cat. (laughs) <laughs> He's on mute. Yeah, their bells were ringing, and so I put myself on mute. But yeah, I, I am super excited for this. Such great talent. Um, MLW really knows what it's doing. I think the thing I was most excited about was seeing Cesar Duran. Like, yeah, that 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 to me is the the most exciting part. He's the best. Like, he is the best authority figure in wrestling in at least the last twenty years. And so absolutely. I yeah. mean, to have his appearance there and kind of weaving threads of what's going to come. Like, I am just so hyped for this. It's really exciting. I have a theory as to part of why he's so good, and, and I'm going to say it out loud in case people, other people are listening. He's he's an actor with a specific role. He is not a wrestler who wants mm-hmm. to go out and wrestle. He's not a, a guy backstage that just wants to be in front of the camera. He's here to do a role, so he's into it a thousand percent. And uh, it shows in in his work. So I think, you know, that is why he's so transcendent in this, this, because that's all he wants to do is be Cesar Durant. He doesn't want to be the main event next week. He doesn't want to. He's not trying to juggle this while making T-shirt orders and all the other things that real authority figures have to do backstage. So, I mean, that's my theory and I'm sticking with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and such a good point um, that he's an actor and he plays a very specific role that again, too, also finding the right writing and situations to put him in, not yeah. forcing him in all of these different segments, putting it in where it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And for MLW, that storyline continuity and that authority figure is making a lot more sense in the bigger picture now. And it's also able to help other characters grow and be seen as a, in a different light, like a Tom Lawler, who, you know, you have his backstage promos and even in-ring promos, which are can be anywhere from hilarious to rude. But to now have a foil <laughs> in Caesar Duran to kind of play on that is magic and if that happen if that can work with him there's a plethora of people on the roster you know ultimately i'm very interested and i don't know if they're always going to keep them separate as separate entities but think about contra unit you mm-hmm. know contra has been a force to be reckoned with within an mlw for over a year now it's true but when you have the matchmaker of caesar duran and all of his resources 
will he be friend or foe? You know, like there's just so much within that that now makes things a lot more interesting in MLW. That just makes me so excited for the future. Um, and I also will be very interested to see how the, his role continues, but also how it plays into things like title ship, you know, uh, title contenderships and title matches, the opera cup coming up, um, fight land coming up. Like there's so many, you know, other events and milestones happening within MLW in the next, you know, few weeks and months that makes it a, a whole new landscape and whole new era in MLW. Um, and MLW Fusion Alpha is going to be on, I believe, for the next four weeks on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MLW's YouTube channel and Saturdays and Mondays on B in Sports. But again, it's free on YouTube. Uh, on Wednesdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that, too, uh, I hope is a big incentive for wrestling fans or maybe people who aren't familiar with MLW. Um, you know, you can watch Alpha Fusion for free on YouTube, and it's one hour. I mean, it is packed. You had three matches just within that hour, plus vignettes and so much more. So they also do a great job of handling their time wisely, I think. Yeah, it's it's a little less for those of you that are on a budget. Like I'm able to sneak this in on my lunch break. Uh, just I have to fast forward through a couple of the recap sections, which is not that big of a loss. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you it's an easy easy watch, and uh, once you get to the matches, you you're you're golden. They're they're mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And, you know, that means we're going to be talking a lot more about MLW in the next few weeks. So make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And with that, we've made it. We are done with another episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and being with us this week. Don't forget to find us on LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. And man, we covered a lot, but that's because Lucha Central has a lot of content as well. Um, with that, don't forget to follow Lucha Central on social media. You can find Lucha Central at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. They have the YouTube channel, which has tons and tons of content, exclusive matches and interviews that you're not going to find anywhere else. And while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers 3, 2, and 1. And then T-Shirt Guy all spelled out. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I even... Logged in special to check a thing that we didn't even talk about this week. Uh, and, and, uh, I'm all over the Twitters where they also had that thing, but later. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little tease for next week. We've got that we, there was so much news we covered, uh, we didn't cover another big announcement. Yeah. So that's why you got to make sure to listen to us each and every week. Uh, me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda. On Instagram and Facebook, no Twitter, but that's why you follow Dusty 
and Lucha Central and Brendan on Twitter. So that way you get the information you need to know. Um, and you'll definitely want to follow us because we'll be talking about Pro Wrestling Revolution this weekend. We may post pictures and content that we can from Pro Wrestling Revolution. So make sure you follow us this weekend on social media. And of course, if you are listening to this through your favorite podcast streaming platform like iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe and get notifications every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. Leave us a five-star rating and go ahead and give us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. Any comments, thoughts, ideas, we're happy to hear them. Of course, as always, we are also open to getting news and information from all of you. So if you are an independent wrestling promotion, luchador, or fan, please reach out to us with independent wrestling happenings. Um, and as Dusty mentioned, if maybe you are at a live event for WWE or AEW, Feel free to share your announcements and, and your thoughts on those shows or match results with us. We'd love to get that information exclusively from you. Yeah. So for, for we'll Dusty, credit you. and we'll credit you. Yes. We will always credit those who give, uh, you know, shout outs, uh, comments, all of that. We definitely love to credit, um, our listeners with news and information that they give us. So make sure to reach out to us on social media, uh, with, any of those pieces of information. So Unless your name is Psycho Clown, because I still have heat with you. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. That's that's a beat for another day. That's a beat for another day. I always have heat with Psycho Clown. I will never credit him. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. And we're off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast After Dark. Well, the rails are just off. It's crazy. Um, but hey, that's why you listen to this show. Make sure you listen to us each and every week. Thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. We cannot thank you enough for listening, for getting your news and information from us. We definitely appreciate each and every single person um, who listens to this show. You make this what it is. And thank you very much for supporting us and LuchaCentral.com. For Dusty Murphy and for Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much, and we will be back with you next week.